Blog Talk Radio. For the Bobby Eaton Show, yeah. giving you information you'll want to know, speaking on issues affecting us all, and music for the soul. Yeah. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Hello world, good afternoon, good evening, hey, and welcome to the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way, right here in the heart of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So all you need to do is dial the number 646-716-5525. Hey, and you guys, don't forget to press that one button so I can see you in queue. Oh, it's raining here in T-Town and still kind of muggy, looking kind of funny, you know, but I can't wait till it starts warming up around here so we can uh, do some things that we got planned. You know, today we got a great show going on. We got First Step Mail Diversion Program with David Phillips. He's in the house, and we're going to be talking about his program. And um, that's what's going on right there. Meanwhile, I want you guys to also visit the Black Wall Street Liquid Lounge down in, on Greenwood. Hey, right next to Lefty's down there. We kind of congregate there uh, about 10 o'clock, 9-ish, 10, 11, whatever. Down there, this group of us come down there drinking coffee, talking about the things that matter in our community. So if you want to come down there and get involved, come down there and have a conversation. We're Eaton Media Services, located at 15... 33 North Norfolk Avenue here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on the corner of a little white building in which my grandfather built, and we're trying to keep his legacy alive. My dad just left out of here. He comes by here all the time, and we just uh, have a great time over here with uh, conversation, music, com- community, because we're not just a radio station. Uh, we got people come over here, and they hold their meetings over here. We allow them to do a lot of that kind of stuff. So uh, if you need to get in touch with us, you can reach us at area code 832-443-9499. Again, the number is 832-443-9499. And we want to send our congratulations out to uh, my co-host Sansa Ray. Her daughter Raven had a baby boy. And boy, she's so excited and pumped up and, you know, grandmother, ah, because I know she may be listening. And uh, it's just a blessing to bring a new child into your family and all the excitement and things like that. So we want you to um, congratulate her. And if you see her, those who know her, go out there and, you know, just holler at her. She works for Manning Law Firm. So Mike Manning and that group over there. So that's what it's about. Uh, let's see what else is going on. We got some things happening in Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa is coming up on the Black Wall Street Centennial. I want to say that right now. <clears throat> Next year, 2021, will be the centennial for Black Wall Street here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So you people listening in other cities and places, prepare, save your little pennies. 
put them together and come here and join us as we go through the history of Black Wall Street. And uh, we got a lot of history here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, where the massacre took place. There were over 300 and something people, I believe it was way more numbers than that, that uh, lost their lives. Some of those bodies were dumped in the rivers and certain cemeteries and buried on site. So we want to go and get some of that history and tell our children. And see, one thing about us is that uh, we need to start passing our history down. We really need to start doing that, you guys. Educate these young people. I was going to a restaurant yesterday. And a black restaurant over here in North Tulsa, it was four teenage kids coming down. It was three girls and one guy. And they were nice kids, real nice kids. And I stopped them for a minute. And I said something. So I said, well, how can I reach young people? So I started with some music. I said, hey, you guys ever heard of the Gap Band? And they said, no. <laughs> they shook their head and said, no. I said, you never heard of the Gap Band? And so I started humming a couple of songs. You dropped a bomb on me. Yeah, we heard that song. You know, I said, yeah. I said, well, that was a Gap Band right out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, do you know what the Gap Band stands for, G-A-P? They said, no. I said, Greenwood, Archer, and Pine Street, which led me into talking about the massacre. You know, and they were all intrigued and all like, oh, wow, we didn't know that. And the reason they didn't know is because they've never been taught. You know, so we need to train up our children. It takes a village to train up a child and get them involved and, you know, do some things. Now, I tell you guys all the time to get out there and volunteer. I don't care if it's just two hours a week, you know, just get out there and volunteer for something. Guys, when Miss Williams' yard starts growing up and all that grass, get out there. Just go cut her grass, man. Tell her, you know, just just take two hours and cut her grass with a lawnmower. You know, don't don't feel so funny and stuff like that that you're too good to step out of your comfort zone to do something that can help improve someone's life. And that's what it's all about. Because over here at Eaton Media Services, I don't care if you're a, a doctor, lawyer, judge, janitor, janitor, you know, homeless person, we're all on the same level to me over here. I treat everybody the same. You know, we just got different things going on. You know, a rich man can have financial problems. A poor man can have financial problems. So we need to uh, encourage them to make them feel better and better in their lives and invest into our youth. Because if you're not investing into young people, they're our future. That's why we have this program uh, today with David Phillips. And we're going to be talking about some of that in just a minute. So stick around, okay? Money, 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 money
Right, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. You know, don't let money fool you now. You can't do that. All right. David Williams, how are we doing, man? David Phillips. I said Williams. <laughs> I mean Phillips. That's me. My bad. You know, I got David Phillips. How are we doing? We're doing great. Great, great. Hey, man, welcome to the show. And, you know, we had a, a discussion about the program you got, First Step Mill Diversion Program. And, uh, David, where are you from, man? First well, of all, let's get right there. Where well, are you from? I'm from a little town uh, originally in uh, Pennsylvania called Mercer, Pennsylvania. I tell people it's the intersection of seven uh, highways, interstates, highways 79 and 80, just a little hole in the wall. little hole in a little, little small town. Huh? Well, yeah, 2,500 souls. Okay. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You grew up and went to school there and all of that, huh? Yes, I did. Okay. And uh, uh, I understand you come from a pretty large family, man. Well, my family wasn't that large. I only had uh, two brothers, uh, one brother and two sisters. But my dad's family had 16, and we had all yeah. sorts of aunts and uncles. <laughs> man, I can understand. I can relate to where you're coming from because my mom, it was 12 girls. Whoa! <laughs> it was twelve girls. Boy, and you were the uh, only uh, the only one that was uh, out there as a as their sort of protege. You know, you no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't the oldest. So you know, out of mm-hmm. those twelve girls, my mother was next to the baby girl. Mm-hmm. So all my aunts and had kids and older cousins and you mean all you didn't of that. get spoiled? Man, I got spoiled. Me and some of the younger ones, we all got spoiled out there with them, man. They loved us to death. So it was got away with a lot of trouble, you know, and things like that. But, hey, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> fun. So, And you were in Pennsylvania. And uh, how did you get to Tulsa, man? I mean, how did that come about? Well, I uh, I went to the University of Pittsburgh as for my undergraduate degree. And uh I got into biomedical research, and uh, in uh, 1979, I uh, uh, f- there was a uh, advertisement in a uh, 
local trade uh, magazine for um, uh, a researcher in at Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation in Oklahoma City. So I came down here to Oklahoma City. That's where I, I And then Oklahoma out. City, then you came over to Tulsa, huh? Yeah. About 1987, uh, at, as money was drying up for research, I decided to go back to school and become an attorney. So I went to OU and uh, graduated from OU in 1990. Went to work for, I had been working for the DA's office in uh, Cleveland County. Then I went to work for the Oklahoma County Public Defender's Office. and You, with, you ran the Public Defender's Office, didn't you? I didn't run it. I was a assistant. Assistant to, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. the director, right? Right. And I used to, I had the opportunity to work with Opio Torre and Ken Watson down in Oklahoma okay. City. Oklahoma okay. City. Uh, Okay, see, now, living in both places, what you see is the difference between between the two, Oklahoma City and Tulsa? Well, I moved to Tulsa by choice. I loved the city when I I was going through it. It's just a beautiful city. It has, uh, you know, some rolling hills. It has some older houses. It has a a nice river. Mm -hmm. And the um, uh, people here were really, really friendly. So I, uh, I became... I wanted to become an adopted son of Tulsa. Okay, so you came and liked it, huh? A lot better than Oklahoma City. I loved it. I I purposely moved to Tulsa. Okay, okay. Wow, wow. And you're still here? I'm still here. Hey, married? I'm married. Children? I've got one daughter. One daughter. Is she here? She's Tulsa? in Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> She's in Oklahoma City, huh? Okay. She don't want to fool with you guys over here in Tulsa, huh? <laughs> You know, in Oklahoma City, that's funny right there. But uh, that's great, man. This is a good thing. And, uh, you know, I've seen you downtown, courthouse, all that for a long time. But do you do, still do any cases? I uh, I try to get away from that. Every once in a while, I get conjoled into a case. But I'm really uh, pretty busy running the First Step Mill Diversion Program, still developing it, still mm-hmm. working on it, still hiring you know, hiring people and filling positions and trying to raise money. That's full-time work. Full-time work, huh? Mm-hmm. How did that uh, diversion program get started, First Step? Well, um, when uh, uh, Judge Harris left the bench, I ran for judge against uh, – Jesse Harris, right? Right. Uh, against uh, uh, of, of about three people, and uh, only one of us could come out <laughs> of this gate. And Judge really? Holmes, Judge Holmes came out. She, yeah, she's a fantastic person. Yeah, she's yeah. been in here before. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Norwell. Uh, so do I. We've, we're we're great friends. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, uh, so when I was running, I was campaigning. Um. Uh, one of the things I campaigned on was I wanted to start a program similar to women in recovery, only for young for men. And uh, so that's how the idea got started. Mm-hmm. And then um, after uh, uh, I lost, I I began to get together community leaders and in different fields and began talking about a program. And that was in. Finally, uh, well, it started out as a big group, about 25, and then it finally whittled down, whittled down to about eight in uh, in uh, April of 2014. Uh, we uh, we uh, uh, incorporated myself, uh, Judge former Judge William Kello, 
and uh, uh, the chief of the public defender's office, uh, Rob Nye, at that time. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how it started. That's how it got started. So the diversion program, you guys get young people before they headed down the wrong road to prison, right? Yeah, they may have been headed down the wrong road, but they we try to divert them from prison. Okay, you know they may have a couple of little hiccups along the way, such as you know uh, they usually the people that come into our program are individuals that have been on probation or something. Uh, yeah, they could be on probation or they uh, have have committed multiple felonies that uh, uh, that they're now the district attorney is now wanting to take and send them into the penitentiary. And we step in and say, no, let's give this young man a try here in this program. So what do you do? I mean, do you take them and house them or do you uh, uh, go to their homes or are there there certain requirements and things like that? Uh, What do you do? Well, first of all, the age group that we target are young men 18 to 25 years of age. Okay. And the reason why we target that particular age group is that's because um, um, male brains, well, the brain itself does not fully mature until it's 25 at least. Uh, And so the system is sort of stacked against young people, young men especially, uh, because they're still adolescents. Their brain is still adolescents, although the law declares them to be adults. adults. Mm -hmm. And so my program gives them guidance and protects them for a period of time to allow them to take and uh, mature. And I, I tell them, I say, I give them, I'm giving you a chance to grow up mm-hmm. and, and be able to escape some of the, uh, the problems that, 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 that the, uh, that your actions are going to cause you in the future. So we target nonviolent young men, 18 to 25 years of age at the time, of, that they committed the crime, and uh, we—it's uh, a holistic program, which means we provide everything that we can for them to support their their recovery and to support uh, them staying out of pro- trouble. So we do provide them housing, safe housing. <clears throat> it is uh, uh, a sober living house. They, they can't have you know any drugs, any alcohol. We have a a house manager that lives with them. Mm-hmm. It's a, our, our housing is, is a, a curfewed and all that. It is curfewed. They have to be in at 10 o'clock unless they uh, have, they, some of them have jobs that may take them to 11 or so. But um, if uh, they're not working, uh, they're in the house at 10. So do you, do you guys find them employment or do they have to find it on their own? We, <clears throat> We um we do uh, both both <laughs> okay okay and let me explain how what I mean about that when they're first in the program they're living in a house um they they go to a lot of of um, counseling or something like that a lot of treatment programs okay like they'll have substance abuse counseling they get parenting classes because a lot of these young men have not had a father in their life so they don't know how to be parents. Uh, they get a couple counseling. If they have a, a significant other, they get life skills training. If they don't have, haven't finished their high school education, 
We put them into a, uh, um, a program to get a GED or to get their diploma. Um, we do life skills. Um, we do uh, uh, recovery groups, like uh, peer recovery groups, uh, and also like NA and AA. <clears throat> and uh, uh, so, plus we do more uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. So they get a, 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 a an avalanche of different programs. So in that first 60 to 90 to 120 days, um, we, we like to limit their employment opportunities to just part-time jobs because they're doing so much. Mm-hmm. Also, after that, when they get sort of stabilized and sort of settled, then um, we uh, try to move them into a job skill or a job training uh, uh, and with the aim to get them a full-time good-paying job, one that would, they, they can support their families with. So uh, we send them to uh, a couple of places. One is uh, Workforce Tulsa that does training and and gets them, help them helps them get employed. They also do certain things like uh, interviewing, how teach them how to interview, teach them how to dress, uh, get them used to uh, uh, going to work on time daily as they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. So we use uh, Workforce Tulsa and CEO, which is Career Employment Opportunities. Career Employment Opportunities pays them uh, while they go uh, through some initial training. And uh, some of the training opportunities that are in the community, like for welding or for plumbing. The skill sets. The skill sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those are, uh, you know, we'll, we'll ask the young man if he wants to go into a particular area. Uh, if he does in uh, a particular area, then we, we try to, to uh, uh, help him get into that area. We also uh, partner with the ITCC for them to go on and try okay. to get certificates and mm-hmm. you know in certain areas, mm-hmm. so that uh, um, our goal is when this is when they're finished with our program, which is like fifteen to eighteen months. That's uh, what I was going to ask. How long is the program? It's going to. They're going to be, um, uh, you know, self-sufficient. They're going to have a skill, a job skill, or a trade, or. Um, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, knowledge base mm-hmm. that they can uh, get a job and that's going to be full-time, it's going to pay a good wage in one that they can. So where they can be them. self-sufficient? So at the end of those, what, you said 15 months? It's the, at the very least 15 months. 50, that's, a, that's the minimum. That's the minimum. Uh, 15, 18 months. We've had a, we had one young man that was in our program from, for about 650 days. That's a long time. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. so. But he kept trying. And so long as we he kept trying, we kept working with him. <clears throat> yeah. In the instance that someone gets into your program and they relapse and fall out of the program, are they able to come back? Or is there some kind of stipulations where, no, 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 man, we gave you a shot. You're not interested, you know, or what? How does that work? Well, there's uh when dealing with this population we we look at it um uh a criminal population is to be divided really into three specific areas okay one is substance abuse which most most people deal with 
the other is uh, mental health. People that have mental health disease end up in the criminal justice system a lot. And people that have criminal thinking, they end up in the criminal justice system. Mine is just thinking crime yeah. all the time. Huh? Yeah. So uh, we look at those. And uh, there are some – so every – Everybody that comes into our program is evaluated for what they need to supply their needs and also to plan out a program for them. Um, and um, so there are, uh, if a person, especially that has substance abuse, um, they, it's, can be, uh, it's just part of the, of the treatment that they're going to relapse. So we try to work with that. Uh, you know, if a person uh, has an instance where they relapse and we uh, will do a number of things, sometimes we send them to inpatient treatment. Okay. Um, to clean them up, right? To clean them up and get them back on their on their way. Um, or if it's, uh, you know, uh, just so sporadic, we may sanction them to some jail time, for, but we'll keep them in the program. Uh, we may so they'll have to go to jail, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. And sometimes it's just more, just nothing more than, okay, we're going to sanction you, but um, we're going to make you uh, do community service or do something. It depends mm-hmm. on on the situation. On the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to throw you out of the per, uh, program the first time that you relapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Yeah. There's an opportunity to come on back. Yeah, depends we're on gonna, how you come back. Yeah, huh? we're probably not going to we're not going to probably throw you out at all on the first if if you get the first offense. Huh? First offense, okay. you just you know you'd have to do something pretty bad to 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 get thrown out. Um, it's just you just stay in the program. Something happens, you get sanctioned, uh, and then you have a chance to rehabilitate mm-hmm. yourself and go on. So you guys provoke, <clears throat> provide uh, the housing. Mm-hmm. Beds, food. Uh, we get them uh, on food stamps. Food, okay. So they they own their own food. Yeah. And so do they cook inside the place and oh, yeah. all of that and prepare oh. stuff and meals and curfew at ten o'clock. Yeah. We have a uh, mm-hmm. nutrition program. Okay. Uh, teaching them a little bit about nutrition and uh, uh, they got to they have responsibilities in the home. They got to keep the home clean. Mm-hmm. So they all have chores. There's a house manager there that makes sure they take the do their chores. There's he lives there too. He lives right there with them. Huh? He lives right there with them. He makes sure they're in it uh, at the t- proper time, you know, and uh, they're abiding by all the house rules. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of structure going on. A lot of structure. So a young man can turn his life around by joining the First Step Male Diversion Program. Mm-hmm. Tell our audience how can they get in touch with you and your program. Well, uh, most of our referrals comes from uh, uh, the Family and Children's Services, which Family and Children's Services, when a person is, in, is arrested and they're put in jail, they do a, an assessment, which is called the ORAS, which mm-hmm. uh, measures the, the chance of this person reoffending. And uh, we, in our program, we take people that have a high chance or a moderate chance of reoffending. Um, so we get referrals from family and children. So mainly from referrals, right? So people just can't pick up the phone and call directly to you guys. Although that happens. Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, but so we ne- mainly get our referrals from Family Children's Services, from the um, Defense Bar. Uh, your defense attorney may okay. Refer. I got you. Your the district attorney may refer. Will a judge refer? And a judge may refer. We've had judges refer. They say, hey, you got to go to the first step meal mm-hmm. diversion program. Mm-hmm. So I'm sentencing you there for a whole year. Mm-hmm. What they do is they sentence us to the program for the completion. If completion. they don't complete it, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they don't you know, maybe go to prison or go to jail, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So what's the success rate, you think? Well, we're, we're young. We, uh, you can imagine because of the length of the program, we, we actually put our first person in the program in July of 2017. Oh, yeah, that's young. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, right now we have uh, – uh, we've graduated five. We'll graduate five more in like August and about five more in, in December. In increments of five, huh? In December, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, uh, we have only had one person out of uh, – that has reoffended other group of people that mm-hmm. we've done so far. Mm-hmm. And so, that's about 80% success. So do you have different ethnic groups, Yes, you know, who are participating in your program? At any particular time, of course, the, the, the uh, percentage is going to change, but uh, we have uh, typically between 40 to 60% um, African-American mm-hmm. between uh, 30 to Forty uh, percent Caucasian, about fifteen, ten to fifteen percent uh, Hispanic, Hispanic mm-hmm. and about ten to fifteen percent uh, Native American. Okay, a little bit of everybody, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. So most cases are there mainly drug related or alcohol abuse, or, you know? It's uh, a combination of both. It's it's uh, mainly. Um, uh, drug-related and drug-related crimes. So when I say that, uh, there's a lot of crimes. You may not see uh, possession of methamphetamine or possession or, or use of uh, marijuana or something in the, you know, in the uh, in the charging instrument. But they committed the crime because they wanted to get money uh, to buy the drug or they wanted to, they were under the influence of the drug when they committed the crime and they might not have committed the crime, but for the drug, you know, it just mm-hmm. removed the inhibition. Wow. Wow. That sounds like a real interesting uh, program for people out there in the community to uh, get their sons hooked up with, you know, um, it's um this is the only program that we found and we've looked at it uh, throughout the United States that is set up specifically in this way and provides the uh support for young men. Uh so Tulsa is unique in that regard. Mhm. Well, you know, cuz we got a lot of our community involved in drugs and not the majority. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say no majority because North Tulsa over here where we're at is a great community. You know, we got just a few little bad actors out here that's making a lot of good people look bad, you know, and um, the youth and the young people, because I think it has a lot to do with economic development, uh, job. We don't have a lot of jobs over here. And if you are a felon, it's going to be hard for you to find employment. You know, if you don't have a car, you you know, don't have a bus pass and some other things like that. 
to get to even look. Mm-hmm. And it can become discouraging to a, a felon who really wants to do well and he can't find a job because he's a felon. Exactly. You know, and nobody don't want to hire him because he's a felon, but he's a good worker, just got caught up uh, in a bad situation. Now he's trying to turn his life around. And what ends up happening is they end up going back to the same lifestyle. Exactly. Which got them there in the first place. Exactly. And that's what we're trying to change around. We want to give that person an opportunity to take and succeed. So we provide them with, you know, bus tokens, mm-hmm. you know, to get to a job, you know. Bus tokens. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, so we'll, we work with Tulsa Hub. We get them, uh, we, they can get a bicycle uh, for transportation. Okay. Um, we actually own an operative uh, a van and we take the young men to different social uh, things. Like this May, uh, we have, uh, and their families, we, we want to take and uh, increase the integrity of the family. About 40% of our young men have children. And so all of our young men are supporting their children, and they are uh, working on their relationship with their uh, significant others so that we can cement a strong mm-hmm. relationship with their, with their significant other. Mm-hmm. What about the visitation? Can... Say Johnny's girlfriend come visit him or not? Well, how does that work? We have visitation, uh, but it is restricted. Uh, a supervised, uh, our supervisions from somebody from supervision has to be there, like either our house manager or. Yes, a supervisor visitation. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, so. So Johnny wants his girlfriend to come this Saturday. He's not working. He's just sitting around. You know, can she come? She can come to the house and she can sit and they can talk. But you also got to understand this is not like a lockdown facility. Okay. So uh, when they first get out of out of the uh, jail, we put them on an ankle monitor so we do know where they go. Oh, okay. See, so all of them are on ankle monitors for a while. Okay. Because we, you know, as you progress through the program, you get. Uh, you know, things become less and less strenuous. Okay, so a person that is in because the program is divided into four four phases. As a person gets to phase two or phase three, and phase three or four, we want this person has been drug or alcohol free probably for four or five or six months. Mm-hmm. Okay, he has proved himself to uh, be able to take and work and and support himself. So as a, as a, he can reap some benefits because now uh, we look for him to, uh, to become uh, more independent and to move into an apartment or a house on his own. Okay. And what we do in, as they are ready to transition out of our living situation into a house of their own, we want to make sure that, first of all, that they're living in a, in a safe area. So we do a home study, a house study, you know, or, or where they're going to move into the crime area and that they're going to, what the crime is like in the area that they are. Mm-hmm. We do a budget with them. We sit down and do a budget because they are now working full time and so make sure that they can afford to take a move out and help them how to budget the, uh, their finances so that they can pay their bills and make sure that they are financially sufficient mm-hmm. to take a move into where they want to move in. So 
say someone completed a program and don't have the means or the finances to get their own place, but they want to go back and stay with family members or things like that, that's okay, right? It is. Uh, again, we would do a uh, a study of the of the home, make sure it's a safe home, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we encourage. And there's a lot of parents out there that have broken hearts because their sons have uh, gone down a, a road that they did not intend for them to go down. Mm-hmm. So we, like I said before, we encourage family participation and family support. So just as we have, uh, I I had started to mention before that we have a lot of pro-social events. Like mm-hmm. the young men go to a baseball game. They usually bring their, their sons and their daughters mm-hmm. to the baseball game. Um, the young men go uh, camping every summer. They go to, uh, they, we have a picnic or what we call a unity picnic. And the picnic and things. So for everybody comes, huh? At the, yeah, we have that. We get, um, zoo tickets for the kids and they, they can take their kids to the zoo. We have a Christmas party and they get to sit on Santa's the kids get to sit on Santa's knees and all we all of that, huh? Yeah. Okay. So that they we can build pro social help them build pro social relationships. Gotcha. Mhm. That sounds interesting. It sounds like a great program uh for getting them acclimated to getting back into life, you know, to living you know, to doing something positive uh, into their families' lives, kids and stuff like that, you know. Um, are, are there any times when some of the guys get pulled out of the program to go to prison? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, you you know, know, they're going through the program, and they're using it. Some of them may be using the program as a place to hide. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we will work with a person so long as they – continue to try, like I tell you. Um, but at some particular point in time, uh, we are privately funded. Um, I've got to look at it and I've got to make a decision uh, whether this person really wants to change their life. Uh, some people, and I've talked to them about this, you know, some people want to get into the program just specifically to not go to penitentiary. And that's not really what the purpose of this program is. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. The purpose is to allow you to change your life. And um, just going to prison, you know, sometimes, and I I, I really mean this sincerely, sometimes uh, penitentiary can be a good thing for an individual. Right? Yeah, I've known a couple of guys get out of the, who were released from the penitentiary and turned their lives totally around and became better men. Yes. Better than some men who just never went to the penitentiary. Right. I've seen that happen before. Yeah, it gives you, you know, the word penitentiary comes from penance. Mm-hmm. And you got to, sometimes we just, we all need a little time out mm-hmm. uh, to think about internally what is what got us here, okay? W- what did I do? Uh, how, how can I change my life? And sometimes just getting away from it all and spending that time to start to figure out what I did wrong. Uh, is an important thing. Yeah, very important. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, if you can learn that outside of prison, um, it's it's better. 
Because first of <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, most definitely a lot better. You know, who wants to go to the penitentiary? I've never known a man who really wants to go to the penitentiary. Maybe there are some guys out there, mm-hmm. but I've never heard somebody. Yeah, man, I can't wait to go to the penitentiary. I've never heard anybody say that. Well, first of all, it's it's better for society, okay? Yeah, because uh, society's not paying the twenty thousand dollars to keep you in the penitentiary. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, because you're working. You're paying taxes, okay? So you're you're a benefit to society. Being in the penitentiary, right? No, being, being in our program. In your program, yeah. yeah. We're saving twenty. You, the society's saving twenty thousand dollars plus whatever you're paying in taxes every mm-hmm. year. It's gaining. Well, plus it, the mm-hmm. fact is, you're not breaking up the family, so that family is not on TANF or any other uh, uh, government type of programs. He's that. Uh, that young man is able to support his family, so he's he is contributing to society and he's saving society all the money that the society would have to pay if he was incarcerated in his significant his spouse or his significant other is is on TANF, okay, or some other welfare type program. So uh, it's a benefit to society. It's a benefit to the family because now the the child knows its father. It's going to have a good relationship with its father. If you have one parent that's incarcerated, the chances of your child being incarcerated is 70%. I heard about that. So it, it will help break down that intergenerational effect. Uh, so it's good for the family. And it's certainly good for the, for the, the client because now he's not being exposed to all the things that can happen in a penitentiary. The the lack of uh, the uh, being exposed to different types, uh, pretty hardcore. Some pe- people in yeah, the they are, and so they're getting protected from that. So it's a it's a win all the way around. Mm-hmm. Do you think the prison system is uh, they need to change some of the programming inside those walls? You know, for those incarcerated males, because like we said earlier, sometimes they come out worse than what they were before they went in because they don't have anything. They haven't have learned anything. They're in a cell, what, 23 hours a day and some, in some places yeah. and get released for an hour a day. And they're just in there, yeah. in that cell. Well, that is uh, a 23 hours per day is maximum uh, you know, security. But, um, you know, it used to be that the penitentiaries uh, – had a lot more programs uh, that were available. Um, that has been cut down through the through the years. So there, when I was a young man, you know, you could go and you could learn a skill in the penitentiary. That is not happening so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's because their penitentiaries are so full, and, and for the most part, they have just become warehouses. And uh, that is and privately owned and privately owned, which means mm-hmm. uh, you got to stay full. <laughs> exactly, it's yeah. sort of uh, you know we've got to stay in business, so we need to put more people in the in the penitentiary, and, and that so is, we can get that government funding. That's right. You know, if your pen penitentiary is empty. And why would the government not going to give you no money for, you know, let's get some people in here. <laughs> you know, and basically that's what it really has boiled down to. I've talked to a couple of people who've been released from the penitentiary. And like you said, man, they, 
nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still the same guys that before they went in, talk to their mothers and stuff. And, you know, so what can I say? Yeah. You know, and we can do better than that. Yeah, we can do a lot better than that. We can. You know, 23 hours in that cell is nothing nice, you know. Nope. Nothing nice. And so when they when they have that one hour, I think they can get out and watch TV or something for a minute or shoot some basketball or, uh, you know, they took a lot of the weights out of the penitentiary. So they're not lifting weights like they once were. Uh, so... But there are some programs like you can go to the library, uh, study or, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. And I don't know. I just think that some of them need to be redone, you know, completely. You know, because now overseas in those penitentiaries, they don't care. (laughs) You know what I mean? They got rats running around in those penitentiaries and old rusted bars and you know, they just lock you up. So, you know, and you may not want to go back, yeah. you know, but over here they got AC and conditions and stuff. and It's comfortable for them. Three hots in a cot, you know. I can, I had, t- I will tell you this. I've been in a lot of jails and I've been in a lot of penitentiary as a penitentiaries as an attorney. And I tell people all the time, it says, whenever I hear that door slam behind me, there's a cold chill that runs up and down my spine. Yeah. Um, I don't care what they have in that penitentiary. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be there. Yeah. My freedom to me is worth a whole lot more. You know, I experienced that one time because I used to play with Natalie Cole. And we had an engagement up in an upstate prison in New York. And uh, that feeling, what you just mentioned right there, was a cold feeling us going through there with our instruments and stuff and they're locking those gates behind you and you get so far off in there you know it's going to be a a serious situation to get out of there you got to go back through all them bars and all those chains you go we went to this auditorium that didn't have any windows in it at all nothing you know and and each of the uh, inmates were sitting spaced out there was a space between each one of them and uh wow we were up in there and i'm saying man anything could break out at any time right here mm-hmm. in front of all these prisoners and it was a funny feeling you know i'm saying and I, we actually said man we're in the pen mm-hmm. you know <laughs> we're actually in the pen and we were performing you know inside yeah. the penitentiary but uh wow what an experience and i know how you felt yeah you been but you were going all the time yeah, I was going on a regular time. basis. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you dealt with that, but you know, never got used to it. Never got used to it. It wasn't anything comfortable, huh? Yeah. Did you ever go to McAllister? Oh yes, and I've been to Death Row. That you been that, on Death Row? That is the most serious place that you can ever go. I heard. Um, you know, uh, just being there uh, in the conditions that those men are. Uh, put into is in and of itself just to me cruel and unusual punishment. It's cruel and unusual? Just being in that being locked up and waiting for execution. Execution. There's no place like death. I had a friend who spent some time 
And his job was to take the meals down there on death row. He was an inmate, a trustee. They turned him into, and he said it was so such an eerie feeling every time he had to go down there and give them food. Yeah. And then he'd go down there every once in a while, and the inmate wouldn't be there mm-hmm. because he got executed. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's got to be something else, you know, to witness that, to actually, and you've been in there several times, talking to a death row inmate, huh? Yeah. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant at all. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's just not pleasant. Yes. So when you go to prisons and you, you end up talking to the wardens, I presume. Mm-hmm. Having a conversation with them. To some of them, I think it's just they become n- numb to it, right? It's just a numb situation. Oh, well, we're going to execute Johnny in two more months. You know, okay, well, that's he committed a murder crime and so and so and so and so. And that's about the size of it, right? Yeah, well, it's it's sanitized. That's the way I, what I, where term I like to use. It's just like sanitized. You know, we can we can wash our hands of this because this is what the law says, and uh, mm-hmm. it's a situation. And that's what is so eerie about death row is. Um, it encourages that, encourages that, you know, the the procedures, the environment uh, encourages not to to have human contact. You know, you don't have that. If you go to a regular prison, you know, people will be pounding around. They'll be they'll they'll uh, be together. They'll be on the, on the, out in the yard together and stuff. And there's communication. There's there's actual human contact and there's conversation. If you go to death row, none of that exists, and so it. No. You may see one or two people a day, huh? Yeah, and not really a conversation. And no conversation. It's just you're sanitized, and uh, mm-hmm. from uh, everything. Have you ever witnessed a lethal injection? Or I, I have not. Any kind of execution? I have not. Okay. I heard that's even worse. It's something I would never want to do. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I, want I don't to do have. It either. I've. I've. I practiced law for thirty years, and I have nobody on death row. Great. Good. Well, hey, we're here on the Bobby Eaton Show. We're gonna take a little break. First Step Mail Diversion Program with David Phillips is here, and uh, we've been talking about his program. And uh, it such, sounds like such a great program for keeping those uh, young people out prison. That's what we want to do. We want to keep them out of prison, you know, so we're going to take a little break. We're going to be right back, so stick around, okay? Love you right. 
The Bobby Eaton Show, The Juice Radio Show, and Two Dogs Radio Show. Yeah. I do it big. Okay, you better. me. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live. Hi, I'm Denise Parker with Midtown Embroidery. We do it all from any type of promotional, from screen printing, embroidery, school uniforms, Greek lettering, workwear, monogramming. There's no job too big or too small and no location too far. Let us be your one-stop shop. We're located at 2808 East 15th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74104. Our phone number is 918-982-3254. Our email address is denise.tulsamidtown at gmail.com. Thank you. Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American community? The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to The Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. Dawn Tree here, CEO of Underground Tree Studios, your one-stop shop for graphics, web design, and art. You can find us online at www.utreep.com. That's the 
letter U T R E E P dot com, as well as finding us on Facebook, Underground Tree Studios, Instagram as Underground Tree, and you can also find artist Dawn Tree online as Artista Dawn Tree, and you can also kick it old school and give us a call at two zero two nine one zero four four zero nine. Don't hesitate to call us. All it takes is ten minute consultation, and we can have you hooked up. Peace. If your credit starts with a three, four, five, or six, this is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832 642 1554 or text camp to 76626 with 13 amazing services we restore and repair generations to come once again call the credit shiro at 832-642-1554 or text camp to 76626 if you know better you do better only the credit shiro can help you to save the day I might as well drop a drop a little something on your hold up. Pelly Bear, Messy Mika, Sunshine, Sunshine, Randall Lopez, Oatman, and DJ Perfecto. Yep, that's my crew. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up every morning with your morning crew from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the all-new 89.9 FM Community Radio. Who's that? KBOB. Oh, yeah. Right about now. Let's go. Them on Facebook, the Two Dog Sports Talk. A place sports talk is talked about from a fan's point of view. North Tulsa's very own sports talk on 89.9 FM and Facebook Live with Drone and Yo. Theater North presents The Face of Emmett Till, directed by Dr. Rodney L. Clark at the Tulsa Performing Arts Center at the Liddy Dungeons Theater, March 1st and 8th, 2020 at 3 p.m. and March 7th, 2020 at 8 p.m. This is his story told by his mother's words. Visit our website right now at www.tulsapac.com or call 918-596-7111. This is a story that you don't want to miss. The Face of Emmett Hill, directed by Dr. Rodney L. Clark. Be there. Oh, yeah, that's the face of Emmett Till coming to the Performing Arts Center. You guys get your tickets now. I think those shows are going to be like on March the 1st and 8th, you know, showtime at 3 o'clock p.m. March the 7th, uh, showtime at 8 p.m. So the face of Emmett Till. And, you know, you need to bring your young people, not too young now. We don't want to bring them too young, but bring the ones who you think can handle the story of the face of Emmett Till, young 14-year-old who was up in Chicago, and he went down to the South, you know, to visit his family down there and got caught up, and some white men did some very horrific things to him. So Emmett Till, the face of Emmett Till. David Phillips is in the house. We've been chopping it up and uh, got a little, little, little serious a few minutes ago. But he has the program, the First Step uh, Male Diversion Program. 
and uh, it's underway. Dale, I mean, uh, Dale, David, <laughs> tell our listeners where they can get in touch if they have someone, a family member, or know someone, and they can get to the first step male diversion program. Uh, first of all, I mean, uh, I would advise you to take in contact with your attorney because uh, they they have all the information about our program. Uh, but you can also call us at 918-367-0641. That's 918-367-0641. Uh, to, uh, that's our offices. And uh, if you call us and give us uh, the person's name, uh, we can take it from there and, and uh, look to see if the, the individual qualifies for our program. Um, so, um, uh, I, the program is well known by the judges in the courthouse. It's also well known by the district attorneys as well as, uh, the defense attorneys. Um, so So everybody knows about it. Everybody knows about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if I know that, uh, we have a pretty good reputation in the courthouse. So they, if you, uh, if you qualify them, uh, for our program, they, they, any judge would be happy to put a chip to it. That is, and that is good. Good thing, you know. So, get involved if you have um, someone that you know that needs this program. Uh, get in touch, touch with your lawyer, attorneys, your judges, whoever you know that could possibly, you know, help you with this. You know, that's a great thing, man. I I like what you I like what you're doing, man. You know, um, coming up with that concept because it's well needed, you know. Well, I was like I said before. I was an attorney for thirty years, and uh, I saw too many young men um, going to the penitentiary and having their mm-hmm. lives ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that they uh, that they people were doing that to them. Mm-hmm. I, I saw in front of my eyes. Whole generations of, of young men, and particularly African American men, that were being um, shuttled into a, um, a system that was going to take and ruin their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had quite a few conversations over the years with young men and trying to get them to, uh, you know, to not to forsake the way that they're going and. And to try to change their past, but I realized that you know it, it it takes more than just talking to them. Takes talking about doing, right? It it, take, it takes doing, and it takes support because, you know, as you said before, it takes a village to raise a child. Sometimes it takes all of us pitching in to get the to give the support to uh, these young men because so many times they haven't had the support. Unfortunately, in in my lifetime, we have seen a disintegration of the nuclear family, a lot of it brought about by drugs and, and the criminal justice system. We put a lot of uh, males in the penitentiary, particularly African-American males in the penitentiary that breaks up, has broken up the home and has caused uh, so much heartache. So this is what I do. I hope is a healing process for our community, so that they, um, our community, can begin to heal. 
Well, that's great. Well, David, I want to thank you, man, for taking time out of your busy schedule, bringing this program to KBOB 89.9 FM and Blog Talk Radio. Um, This is where we tell our stories our way, and you definitely have told a story. You know, so we want. I want to thank you, man, for coming out. Okay. I thank you All for right. having the opportunity to be here and talk to you. Uh, uh, I love talking about the program because I think uh, it does some good. Great, great. Thank you, man. All right, you've been on the Bobby Eaton Show. This is a, once again where we tell our stories our way. David Phillips has been here uh, with his program, and it's a great program, you know, to get involved with. Come by here, um, you know, contact me. I'll direct you to, to David and his program as well. So you can do that if you didn't get the numbers. Well, this is recorded on just Google the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way, and that's what we do. I want to let you guys know that we're taking donations over here. we got a big donation bucket for the Juice Radio Show. We're asking for donations to kind of help us uh, build a brand and participate and uh, it ain't for me. It's for these kids. So we just taking. And I ask everybody who participates over here to help hit the bucket. You know, hit the bucket. Uh, let's see. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. Education with um, Daryl Bright and Joyce Williams. 10 a.m. We want you guys to remember that. 10 a.m. Uh, Joyce Williams, Daryl Bright. And uh, them are going to be here, and uh, they're going to be giving you information about TPS, Tulsa Public. Um, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, tune in tomorrow. Also, we got a lot of different programs coming up. Vanessa Hall Harper has a show. Uh, Edurec World One Development has a show with Charles and Damalis um, Wilson. You know, so Charles Harper, Damali Wilson. You know, and uh, Two Dogs Radio Show tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. They're talking about sports. So that's what's going to be. All right. We want you to stay tuned. Stay tuned and come by 1533 North Norfolk to the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. All right. Till next time, have a